Since uh, New Year's was on Friday and New Year's Eve was on Thursday, I said to myself early last week, I really don't want to be, you know, late in the week finishing the sermon. I don't want that hanging over my head. So I really want to get that finished early in the week, which I did. We've been studying on Sunday mornings lately about heaven. And I was scheduled today to preach uh, another sermon about what will we do in heaven. And I was so excited about it and had it ready to roll. And then on Friday morning, I got up, New Year's Day, and I was having my quiet time, just probably like most of you guys were doing. And when I read the passage of Scripture that I was supposed to read that day, it was one of those experiences that I'm sure you've had it in your life, and I've had it in mine a few times, or many times, actually, where I just knew that God was speaking to my heart. And it was like when I read the verses, it was like God gave me my marching orders for the new year. And I knew beyond the shadow of any doubt that God had spoken to my heart. And so as I was home thinking about what I had read and trying to apply that to my own life, it's just like I felt in my spirit the Lord say to me, John, this is not only my word for you for the new year, but this is my word for the church for the new year. And so that's what I want us to think about. And then we'll take the sermon I was going to do today on heaven and we'll just postpone that one week. And next Sunday morning, we'll be thinking again about what we will do when we get to heaven. But today, if you'll open your Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter number 15. Now, that's a very strange passage of Scripture to read on the first day, on the first day of a new year. Normally, on January the 1st, I would be reading Genesis chapter 1 or maybe Matthew chapter 1 or Psalm 1, but for me to be reading 2 Chronicles 15 on New Year's Day, I've never done anything like that before. I always start a Bible reading plan fresh and new on the first day of the year, but what happened in my particular case last, last year, towards the end of the year, I received a new Bible that I absolutely love, and it has become, I guess, now my, my favorite Bible to read at home devotionally. I wouldn't normally preach a sermon out of it. It's just so big, and it has all kind of notes and things in here. Uh, it's a study Bible, really. But I had gotten this back in a few months ago, and at the time I got this, I was reading in another Bible through 1 Samuel. And I had finished 1 Samuel chapter 15, and I got this one, and I thought, well, should I go back and start over in Genesis 1 or Matthew 1, but I just felt led to pick up in this Bible where I had left off in the other Bible, which was 1 Samuel 16. And if you're familiar with that passage of Scripture, you know that is the story of King David. It begins in 1 Samuel 16. And so I just read about a chapter a day. I, I don't know how you are in your Bible reading, but I like to read about a chapter in the morning and then maybe at night, go back in most nights anyway, read just a little something else before I go to bed. And so I finished 1 Samuel, finished 2 Samuel, read through 1 and 2 Kings, read through 1 Chronicles, got into 2 Chronicles, and then as the year was coming to an end, I thought, now what am I going to do when I get to January the 1st? Because I don't want to start the new year in the middle of 2 Chronicles. I mean, I don't even know when I last read through 2 Chronicles. But as it got closer to New Year's Day, I just felt, no, just keep going. doesn't matter what day of the year it is. Just read wherever you are in Chronicles. Read that on January the 1st and just keep on with your Bible reading plan, which is what I'm doing. Now, I'm going to show you today. This is more of a talk. It may become a sermon before we get finished with it, but at least at this point, it's more of me just talking to you out of my heart about what God has spoken to me because I really believe in my heart that this is what God's Word is for all of us today. But when God spoke so clearly to my heart from Second Chronicles chapter 15, 
I want to make three statements before I get into this sermon. First of all, let me say this. If you will take time to listen, God will speak. Do you believe that? Say amen. If you'll take time, this book, the Bible, is the only, you may own a thousand books, but this is the only book you have that is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. You can put your ear up next to the Bible, and you can almost hear a pulse because this book is alive. And so if you'll take time to listen, God will speak to you. Second statement I want to make, the primary way God speaks to us today is through His Word, the Bible. Now, He speaks to us through nature, through other people, through circumstances, certainly through His Holy Spirit. But the primary way that God speaks to us today is through the Bible. And so if you don't ever read the Bible... You have cut off the primary means by which God would speak to you. And I want to make one other statement before we get into this passage. And that is this. The best way to read through the Bible is to have some kind of a plan. Now, it doesn't matter what the plan is. There's no such thing as a bad Bible reading plan. In fact, when you go out today, I have myself through the years have come up with five different Bible reading plans. They're all good. Any Bible reading plan is good. You can get one of those on the way out today. But when you wake up in the morning, you need to know whether you're using a plan or whether you're like I am now, you're reading through Second Chronicles at a chapter a day. You need to know what you're going to be reading on that day. And so if you have a plan, God, you'll stick with it and God will speak to you and you'll be able to hear from God. Now, the, the thing that excites me about this, if you would have told me on New Year's morning when I opened my Bible to 2 Chronicles 15, first of all, if you would have told me, John, through this reading, God is about to give you your marching orders for the new year, I think I would have said to you, out of 2 Chronicles? Are you serious? God's going to give me some specific instructions? And then if you would have said to me, not only that, even though you think you've got your sermon ready, God's about to so powerfully speak to you that what he's going to give you will not only be your marching orders personally, he's about to give you a sermon that'll be for the entire church on the first Sunday of the year. I would have said, I think you've lost your mind. Not out of 2 Chronicles 15, and yet that is is exactly what has happened. Now, before we get into the passage, let me say this. In 2 Chronicles 15, there's a man named Asa, A-S-A, who has just become the king of Judah. Asa was a godly man. He loved the Lord. He followed the Lord with all of his heart. And so the Bible has a lot of good things to say about Asa. But on this particular occasion, in the first part of chapter 15, there was a man named Azariah. This is the only time in all the Bible that we read about this particular Azariah. He was a prophet, and he came to King Asa, and he began to give him some very specific instructions. And I want you to listen to this. 2 Chronicles 15, verse 1. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, now listen to what the man of God said, hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, I want to draw your attention. I'm in the New King James right now, but I want to draw your attention to that sentence about midway through verse 2, the Lord is with you while you are with him. Now, when I read that, a little bell went off in my mind, and I thought, I can remember reading that verse, not out of the New King James, but out of the Living Bible many years ago. 
And it was on an occasion that it just really made an impression in me. And I want to just tell you what happened. When I graduated from seminary, one of my closest friends was a man named Jarrett Birch, and he's still one of my closest friends to this day. And he came to Fort Worth to go to, sem- to, go to seminary in the 1990s, and then he returned home to Georgia to continue in his pastoral work. And so he pastors a church even now in Georgia, and he's pastored several there since we graduated seminary. Well, in 2004, Jarrett called me, and he said, would you be willing to fly to Atlanta Come down, he lives down, in, down below Macon in the southern part of Georgia, and would you preach a revival for me in, in my church? And I said to Jared, I said, Jared, I'll do it under one condition. I said, I'll do it under the condition that you will give me the morning hours by myself, that you won't bother me during the morning. And the reason I said that, his church is about an hour or an hour and a half from where he lives. And so I knew that at night, the service would be at 7, go to 8 or 8.30, fellowship after. We're going to drive an hour and a half home. We're going to sit up late talking. We'd go to bed about midnight or 1. And I said to him, I said, if you, if you want me to come preach a revival, I'll be glad to do it. But I don't want to get up at 6 a.m. and go have breakfast with all your friends. And not that I don't love your friends. I do love your friends. But I said, I can't keep that pace because we're going to have late night every night. And I said, but not only do I want to sleep past six, I said, to be honest with you, in the morning, I need to read my Bible and I need to pray. I don't mean prepare the sermon. I mean get myself ready. I said, because when I go out there to preach a sermon, if I'm not ready myself, if I've not been with God, it's going to be in the flesh. Nothing good's going to happen or not much good. And I said, I just need the morning to be with God. And I said, if you'll agree to that, I'll come and preach that revival. And he said, John, you, done deal. You can do whatever you want to in the morning, and uh, we'll get together sometime in the afternoon. It's interesting. Jarrett lives on a farm down in Georgia, and he has all kind of animals on his farm. And one afternoon, he came into my room and he said, hey, could you come out here and help me do something? I didn't know he wouldn't move a truck around or something. And would you believe that rascal had me worming a goat that afternoon? <laughs> and I thought I should have said, Jarrett, give me the mornings and the afternoons, right? Not just the mornings. But anyway, he gave me those mornings. And on one of those mornings, this is in 2004, I was reading that year through the one-year Bible, the living Bible, paraphrase, which is, which is good and I like it. And I came to this passage, and it spoke to my heart. In fact, I know you can't see it where you're sitting, but it spoke to my heart so much that I underlined it, circled it, highlighted it, and drew much attention to it. Here's how the New Living Bible says, or how the Living Bible says what I just read. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with Him. Let's say that together. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with Him. And when I read that that morning in that George, on that Georgia farm, I had gone there to preach. I had no idea that God was going to speak to me in such a powerful way. Because in 2004, in my own life, I was trying to navigate, and had been for a couple of years before that, through a very difficult time. And I was trying to figure out what to do. And I was trying to figure out what God wanted me to do. And I was trying to figure out how to move forward in the most appropriate way. And when I read that verse, it was like God said to me, this is what you are to do. If you will stay with me... I will stay with you. Now, let me comment on that. If you're saved, God's going to stay with you 
no matter whether you stay with him or not, in the sense he's always going to be with you. God has promised, I will never leave you or I'll never forsake you. So it's not like that God's ever going to just get upset with you or frustrated and leave you. No. What the Bible is saying here, the Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. What it's saying is, if you will stay with God, if you will be committed to God, if you will do with your life what God expects of you to do, what God has called you to do, what God has placed on your heart to do, that God will stay with you in a powerful way. His blessing will be on your life. His anointing will be on your life. His protection and provision will be on his life. His power will be on your life. So that if you will stay with God, he will stay with you in that personal, intimate, providing, protecting, anointing, blessing way. And when God spoke that to me that day, this was on on July, I wrote it down, July the 21st, 2004. And I wrote a little prayer here to God and, and said to God, basically in my own words, I said, God... Help me to stay with you and because I want you to stay with me. And I knew that God had spoken to me. And so two days ago, when I'm reading 2 Chronicles 15, it says it differently in the other translation, but it's the same message. And that was the first word from heaven. If you want to give this sermon a title, here it is. A fresh word from heaven for the new year. And the first word that God has for me and for all of us here today is simply this. Stay with God. That's it. No matter what happens, you stay with God. You stay with God. You stay committed to the task. You stay committed to that relationship. And if you will stay with God, then God will stay with you. Now, let's keep reading. And let's get to the second word that that this prophet had for Asa and that God has for us today. Now, look beginning in verse number 3. For a long time, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without law. But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found by them. And in those times there was no peace to the one who went out, nor to the one who came in. But great turmoil was on all the inhabitants of the lands. So nation was destroyed by nation, and city by city. Now watch this. For God troubled them with every adversity. But you, now this is what the prophet is saying to King Asa, but you be strong. Here's the second word to us from God for the beginning of this new year. Not only to stay with God, but to be strong. Strong in our faith, strong in our commitment to be strong. Now, we just read here that in this time in Judah's history, the land was in trouble. Sin was everywhere. God had brought adversity on the land. There were problems abounding. You think that doesn't relate to what we're going through today with this pandemic? You talk about a hard time. I mean, we've kind of been in it so long now, nine and a half months. We've almost got used to what we're into But if we could just step back and look at this, if anybody would have told us 12 months ago that we were eight or 10 weeks away from a pandemic that for a short time would shut the world down, for a long time would change the world, that we'd be wearing masks everywhere we go, church crowds would be half or less of what, well less of what they have been, can't go to a ball game, can't go to a movie, restaurant eating is not, for a while you couldn't do that at all, we would have said, there's no way, not in, not in the day in which we live, 
We're not living back in the, in the Stone Ages or even in the early 1900s. Man, we're living in a day of, of advancements and all these medical things going on. There's no way in our day and time we're going to find ourselves in a pandemic. And yet, where are we? We're in a pandemic. And notice what it says here. It says that God, at the end of verse 6, for God troubled them with great adversity. Now, I'm not saying God brought this pandemic on us. I don't know whether he did or not. I think God is allowed, I know God has allowed it, but nonetheless we're in it. And God's word to us is wherever we are and whatever we're going through, to be strong. And I think about people at home watching this message today and listening to this service, worshiping with us at home. Many are home today because they don't feel safe coming to church. They think they would put themselves or someone they love at risk. And even though we're doing everything we can at church to make it safe, I understand how you feel that way. But there are other people at home today. It's not really for that reason. They were home before the pandemic, and they're home because they physically can't leave the house. They can no longer drive. They can't physically get in the building. And you're listening to this today, and I'm encouraging you to be strong. And you say, John, how can I be strong when I'm so weak? What I'm saying when I say be strong, I'm talking about your faith. And friend, listen, this is a very important part of this message today. You can be strong in your faith even if you're weak in your body. And that applies to those listening at home, and that applies to all of us here today. We're strong. What does it say in Ephesians chapter 6? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Our strength comes from God, and so we're strong in Him. And the best way that we can strengthen ourselves in the Lord is through His Word. Do you know the Bible describes itself? The Bible says of itself that it is milk. What does milk do for a baby? It nourishes that baby. The Bible says it is meat. What does meat do when you eat meat and protein and a steak? What does it do? It strengthens your body. And then the Bible says that it is bread. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. What does bread do? It's a carbohydrate. Bread energizes us. Listen, when you read your Bible every day, what are you doing? You're nourishing yourself, you're strengthening yourself, and you're energizing yourself. That's why when you come to church on Sunday and you leave, you should leave stronger than you came. When you walk out, you should say, you know what? I have been nourished. I have been strengthened. I have been energized so that I'm walking out stronger than I came in. And so that's what happens when we read the Word of God. The best way to be strong is to be strong in the Lord, and the best way to be strong in the Lord is through His Word. Now, for the last several years, a good number of years now, maybe close to 10 years now, we have set aside three days in the month of January to seek the Lord through prayer and fasting. And the type of fasting that we have been doing is not a food fast, and the reason is not everybody can do a food fast for medical reasons. And in the day in which we live, while fasting from food is still an appropriate thing to do if God leads you to do it, I think maybe in our day, the media, I'm talking about the internet, the television, all sources of media, computer games, texting, Instagram, Twitter, all this, social media, I think that may have a stronger hold on us even than food does. And so for the last several years, we've set aside three days in January to have a media fast. And typically what we've done is we've, we've declared the same three days and everybody kind of does it at the same time. Well, this year, the world is so crazy and everything is just upside down. I'm going to encourage you sometime in January to set aside three days to do this prayer and fasting. 
And God will speak to you. And if you, when you go out today at the tables, you, we have plenty of these booklets. Even if you had one last year, you'd get a new one for this year. And it, maybe you need a miracle. Maybe you need divine intervention. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need restoration in a relationship. Maybe you need who knows what. But if you will pray and fast and seek the Lord, then God will speak to you. Remember what I said at the beginning. If we'll take time to listen, God will always be faithful to speak. And so when we turn the television off and get away from the computer and disengage from social media, what does it say in, in the Old Testament? Habakkuk said, God is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent. One of the reasons we don't hear from God any better than we do is with so much noise and chatter that even God has a hard time getting through where we can hear him. And so you do it, think about this, pray about it, and do it whenever you want to. I'm going to do it uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I want to just, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, first part of the year, I'm going to do that. And which means, practically, that when I go to bed on Tuesday night, I won't know who the two new senators are in Georgia. I won't know that unless somebody would... uh, put a note on my porch and say, John, here's who won. And when I go to bed Wednesday night, I won't know what happened with the Congress and the Electoral College. I won't know any of that until Thursday. But, and, and I'm interested in all the political stuff. But let me say this. I'm not as interested in what's happening this week in Atlanta and in Washington, D.C., as I am what is happening in heaven. I'm not as interested this week listening to talking heads on the television telling me, here's who won the senatorial race, here's who didn't, or here's what happened in the electoral college, and here's who, here's all the chaos and things going on there. I'm not saying it's unimportant. I'm saying that is nowhere near as important as what God wants to say to us from His Spirit and by His Word. And so what I would encourage you to do, whether you join me tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday, or do it some other three days, set aside some time so that you can hear from God what God would say to your life. So the first message God has for us this year, stay with God. The second word, be strong. And then the third word is serve God with all your heart. Look back in verse number seven. This is an interesting verse. The man of God said to Asa, As Asa now is trying to lead the people, he said, but you be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. What is he saying? He's saying, serve God. Here's what I want you to do, Asa. I want you to work. Don't be lazy. Serve God. Put your hands to the task and serve God with all of your might. Now, turn if you would, just as we come to the close, I'm about to stop. But I want you to go to Revelation chapter 22, because this is what we're going to look at next week. And I want to develop this more, but I can at least show it to you this morning, because the question is, what are we going to do in heaven? And we've looked at that for the last two weeks, but one of the things that we're going to do when we get to heaven is we are going to serve God. And what I want to point out next week is we don't know all the ways we're going to serve God in heaven, but the Bible does make clear some ways that we should serve God on earth. And I want to develop that next week. But look in Revelation 22 and verse 3. And there shall be no more curse. That's in heaven. There's no curse in heaven. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. Now watch this. And his servants shall serve him. And so when we get to heaven, that's what we're going to do. We're going to serve the Lord. You know, yesterday when I was just thinking through what, I, what we're talking about today, God's Word for us, I mean, the, the message from heaven for all of us this year, at least part of it, stay with God, be strong, 
and serve God with all of your heart. Do you think that I would ever come out here and say, God gave me a message on Friday that I believe applies not only to me, but I believe it applies to everybody. Do you think I would be as, as, as presumptuous to do, or arrogant to, to do something like that? That would be a dangerous thing for a minister to say, God gave me a word and this, minister applies, this word applies to everybody. But friend, I'm telling you, God did give me a word and I know in my heart that it applies to everybody. And so I want you to think, stay with God, be strong, and serve Him with all of your heart. As I was thinking about that last night, I was thinking about my own life. And I thought, you know, if I had a thousand lives to live, I mean, I don't, reincarnation is not real, but I'm just saying if you had, if it was, and I could live a thousand lives, I believe, I know that I would be a preacher in all thousand lives because I know that's what God has called me to do. But here's the question today. What has God called you to do? God's not called you to be a preacher. At least I don't think he has. And if God's called you to be a housewife or a teacher or a coach or a doctor or a lawyer or, or a businessman, you'd have to get out of God's will to be a preacher. And I'd have to get out of God's will to do what those things are. But here's the question. Are we, are we doing with our lives the thing that God has called us to do and the thing that God expects us to do. Friend, think about this. What you do with your life matters. And that's why the prophet was saying to Asa, he said, Asa, work with your hands. Serve the Lord. One day you will be rewarded if you have been a faithful servant of God. Now, again, the message from heaven. Stay with God. Be strong and serve Him with all your heart. Let's say that together. Stay with God, be strong, and serve Him with all your heart. If, if somebody were to ask you this afternoon, how was church today? Oh, it was great. It was great. The music was great. The worship was great. How was the sermon? It was okay, but I remember the outline at least. I remember the outline. I want you to get the outline. Stay with God, be strong, and serve Him with all your heart. Think you can say that by yourself without me prompting? I'll give you the one, two, three to see if you can get it. Here we go. Let's see if we do that one more time with a little more fire in our bones. I want, you to, <laughs> I want you to get that. I'm telling you, I'm trying to replicate the experience I had on New Year's morning out of 2 Chronicles 15, where God said, John, this is what you're supposed to do, not only for the the year ahead, but for the rest of your life. And it's what we're all supposed to do. Let's try that again. Number one. Number two. Number three. 